Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process and for authors to learn valuable tips on producing and marketing your audiobooks. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Today we're going to talk about some of the snags or the potholes in the do-it-yourself road in the audiobook production world. So I'm going to give a few different kinds of things that can happen if you're trying to do it yourself so that you'll be aware of these potential problems. They may help you decide that you want to work with a producer, but whether or not that's the case, the important thing is that you're on the watch, that you know that these things can happen. The first one we're going to cover is a lack of agreements. Now, this is a topic that we're actually going to cover in much more detail in an interview in our next week's episode, an episode with Kelly Way, who is an intellectual property attorney. Today, I just want to cover the fact that this can happen very, very easily, and it is something to be aware of and to make sure it doesn't happen to you. I'm going to give as an example of how this can play out using a real-life example, but I won't name names. We had a client come to us who was already on the do-it-yourself path. She had spoken with voiceover talent that she had known for many years. They were friends. And she had also spoken with another voiceover person that she knew for many years and had talked with them about this project, and they were all excited about helping pull this project together. They also had identified an audio engineer who was a, a friend of, a, of somebody related to one of those folks, and so there was a, an indirect connection there. And again, excitement about participating in the project and lots and lots of enthusiasm. The challenge was that none of them talked about money and what agreement they were stepping into with each other. There was, again, lots of enthusiasm and energy about creating this thing, this finished audiobook project, but not a willingness on any of their parts to really state what their expectations were or their needs were in terms of what they would bring to the project. And the responsibility really falls to every participant in business agreement. And that's really what this was and, and always is, is when you're working together to build something and there will be some kind of financial arrangement in the end, you really need to make sure that that agreement on what that financial arrangement is, as well as any other terms of the arrangement or the agreement such as rights. In this scenario, one of the talent was also a songwriter. Together, the author and songwriter had agreed that the songwriter would create a song that would be incorporated in this book. In addition, she would be the performer of the song. 
There may have been some discussion about whether there was going to be some kind of um, mix, some kind of uh, orchestration that would be developed as part of it, and that parts of that orchestration could be used in different ways throughout the book. They had discussed, at least to some degree, who would own the rights to the song. But what was not discussed by any member of this team that was pulled together was money. How much of it, who was getting what, what expenses would be covered, and so on. At the point in the process where the authors started to feel a little overwhelmed by the project, the, the management of the project, the scope, she reached out to our team for some support with that. As soon as we realized that all of this conversation, this team coming together had happened without any clear expectations about money, we stepped in to try to rectify that situation. This also came up at a point where the author was starting to get requests from the members of her team for her to reimburse certain expenses. That also was starting to feel a little overwhelming, and I think she was starting to recognize that she was ending up a little bit like a bankrolling project when she did not have a huge budget to approve every expense there wasn't clarity about what the expectations were, and there were friendships involved, so that made it especially uh, touchy. And probably also made it feel like in the beginning that it didn't matter that they talk about the money so much that they would all just work it out. This is one of the problems with not having agreements in the beginning, is that oftentimes, while things can just work out, if things are simple enough and and everyone is at least clear on what the expectation is around time and what they're putting into it, and that they've communicated about that, then it can work out. But it can often not work out. And do you really want to put your friendships on the line and at risk in this kind of scenario? And the only reason I say that you're putting your friendships at risk is because what can happen is when you get down to finally getting around to the money talk, the differences in people's expectations can cause friction. If everyone has already put in the work, then there's much more at stake. If you talk about money at the beginning, then you can, even if it's hard, and many people have a hard time talking about money, I totally understand that, it can be a really sensitive subject, especially in, in this culture in the United States where we've kind of been taught that you just don't talk about money unless you're in a business context. Well, this is where one of the disconnects happens, I think, is that we imagine it, we see it as a creative process, but not necessarily a business context. And many creatives would really rather not talk about money. It's hard enough without talking about money, right? So as an author, as somebody who's managing your own project, you really need to bring that forward and make sure everyone is okay with the arrangement. And that can be negotiated, but make sure that you have a written agreement. One of the important reasons for having a written agreement and not just a conversation about it 
Just think about how many times you've had a conversation with someone and you both remember the conversation very differently. That can happen so easily in scenarios like this. The reason for writing it down is really to make sure that you all have the same understanding. It's not because you don't trust the other people or you think they won't trust you. It's really just about making sure that you're hearing each other and understanding each other and that you're all working on the same page. Coming back to our example and what happened is that when we stepped in and using and knowing the industry standards, we stepped in to say, well, this is what we would expect based on those standards. And even though we had actually inquired of each member of the team to tell us what their expectations in terms of time and money were, none of them responded. And so we were left with this gap of information. And so we put something forward based on industry standards. The result was that each of those team members went running back to the author, apparently unhappy about the offer that was put forward. Their expectation, apparently, although they had never voiced it, their expectation was something quite different from what the author was expecting to have to pay for. And I want to use this moment to highlight one of the next snags in doing your own project management. If you don't know what industry standards are, then coming up with these agreements with the people that you're going to be working with is much more challenging. So if you are going to do it yourself, manage your own project, please gather some information, learn about what the industry standards are so that as you're building your team, you're going to know what they are so you can make appropriate offers and not have people take advantage of your lack of knowledge. Another kind of snag, another scenario that we've seen, we had an author come to us who had already cast the voice for her project and she had done it through, I think it was like Voices 123 or something like that, one of the voiceover websites. She'd found the voice, she'd hired the person, they had recorded the audio, and they were still fairly new at audio recording or at least recording for audiobooks. And in this scenario, the author was asking for some changes from the narrator, and the narrator didn't really know how to implement those changes, and so was trying to get the author to provide some direction, you know, like a true director for theater or film. Well, this is not something that the author was experienced with, and so it made her really uncomfortable trying to fill a role that she was not prepared to fill. When she came to us, she came with the finished audio already done. We were going to be adding in sound effects and music and expanding it into something much more robust for this children's book project. And what ended up happening was that because she had not made the best selection of the voice in the first place, we ended up to where it really wasn't quite fitting. It wasn't giving her what she really wanted. And so when she told me that there was another voice that she had strongly considered, and then she went with this this first one, 
when I listened to those two, it was very clear to me that she should have hired the other one, but it hadn't been clear to her. The way that played out was she ended up having to pay twice for the narration because the person that then she then hired to do the replacement audio and who turned out to be great and was, you know, did a great job. It just cost her more. And she, similar to the first author I mentioned, was trying to work on a budget. That's often the case when you're doing a do-it-yourself approach. So you especially want to be careful of these snags because they can end up costing you more, not only in money, but also in time, than you would have paid if you had hired an expert to help you in the first place, someone to help you produce the audiobook and make sure that you're not falling into these potholes and ending up with a flat tire in your audiobook journey. Let's take a short break, and we'll come right back. There is nothing like a great book to transport you to new worlds. Here at Pro Audio Voices, we love working on projects that transport the listener. We pay attention to the details, like making sure we have actors that can clearly differentiate the character voices, making for a great listening experience. If you have a book that you would like to get into audio, and you're looking for a team with a personalized approach, Pro Audio Voices might be just the right fit. Come visit us at ProAudioVoices.com. I'm going to talk about one more casting issue that has come our way. Uh, We have a project that came to us again. This is an, an author who found her own narrator, and the narrator came from the acting world, but not experienced in audiobooks. The assumption was that the translation, you know, the bringing those acting skills into the audiobook world would translate perfectly and no problem. And the resulting, you know, it's been especially challenging and just trying to help the narrator get up to speed with what's required for audiobooks. And the result is that the author's project is taking way longer than anticipated. There's a lot more time and energy going into the project just to get to sort of that ground level product. And so that is another place where it can be tricky. You can potentially run into a problem. And so you should be aware of that. We've also had people come to us when they had hired a narrator to do a project for them, and then that narrator delivered a file, one giant file, and the author had, first of all, it was so big, the author couldn't even figure out how to deal with the file to access it, let alone figuring out what to do with it in terms of making it such that that it would get passed and through audiobook distribution. That's a scenario that suggests that the voiceover talent that that author hired wasn't experienced with audiobooks and what any author would actually need. So that could potentially have been mitigated or avoided if the author had known what questions to ask the narrator. Another scenario we see is when 
A voiceover talent has been hired and they deliver audio and the audio quality itself that from a technical perspective, the audio quality is so poor that neither the narrator nor the author knows what to do about how to fix it. That is a point at which you would really need an audio engineer to step in, and sometimes they can take it from there and provide what you need. But depending on what the narrator has provided, that's not necessarily the case. There are audio recordings that are so poor in audio quality from the recording itself that they just can't be fixed to be usable for audiobooks. We've had authors who tried recording their own, just recording them into the phone and trying to submit them in that form. And of course, they were not accepted for distribution for many different reasons. And they didn't know which way to turn or what to do to be able to actually get their content into the audiobook world because they didn't understand what was technically required. Remember that when it comes to getting your audiobook files through distribution channel or through the um, digital distributors, it's really a pass or fail. You can't, you know, almost make it. You either pass their specifications or they fail. And while they're very good about telling you what things they failed on, those uh, issues may not be something that's recognizable to you as how to fix it or even what it means. For example, RMS. What does it mean? And how do I make it better? That's something that you may have no clue about. And I would say most people don't, but an audio engineer does. This is also a scenario where you can help yourself if you want to record your own audiobook, but you don't really know enough about it, is at the very least, rather than trying to record at home, go to a professional studio and tell them what you need and record there. The cost of hiring a studio to do that technical part is going to be well worth it. And the last snag we're going to cover in this episode today really has more to do with missing out on an opportunity or opportunities than it does about not getting your book into audio at all. And that is that you can miss out on opportunities to leverage the audio if you personally don't know how to do that or what things are opportunities. Talking with someone who knows how to market audiobooks, understands how to leverage them so that you can achieve your biggest goals is a really valuable experience. So I highly encourage that. I would love to hear from anyone who has hit a different kind of pothole in the audiobook road or uh, snagged in some other way. I would love to hear from you and tell me what that was, what happened, how did it play out? so that we can share that with our listeners and help you as our listeners to have the best possible experience in the audiobook journey. As always, if we can be of help, if you would like to schedule a short free consultation with us, please reach out to us at proaudiovoices.com. We're here to be of help and to service. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you'll be with us next week when we interview Kelly Way, 
intellectual property attorney, who will talk with us about creating agreements and what should be included in those. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.